in the house, but you're the house. And the Lord lives and abides in you. Have you ever thought about that? We need to be God inside minded. And I like what they were singing just a few minutes ago. We need to remind ourselves that God is never the less, but he's always the more. How many of you know there's more God on the way? There's more healing on the way. There's more deliverance on the way. We haven't seen all there is to see of this God you and I serve. We don't decide who God is. You discover who he is. We're on a discovery journey. None of us know him like we're going to know him. How many know that to be true? The apostle Paul's prayer at the end of his ministry was, Oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. You, we usually stop right there, but finish the verse in the fellowship of his suffering. It's hard to understand that, but sometimes we find out more about God when we're going through some stuff than we do in our good times. I mean, know that to be true and would testify of that. Amen. Well, I'm excited about being here tonight. This is a precious opportunity. Don't take this lightly. I honor Pastor Kevin and Pastor Devin for allowing us preachers who have a burning fire to minister in their pulpit. Don't take that lightly. I appreciate that. It's very, very uh, much of an honor. And I'm glad you're here on Wednesday night. Before I get into the message, um, I want to say this, that the table, we normally have that on the second Monday of every month. This month, we will not be having that on Monday. We will resume our regular schedule February the 13th. And if you hadn't participated in the table, you're missing out. We want to invite you to come on out February the 13th. If you desire child care, make sure you sign up online so we can have child care available for you in this building. Um, and then next Wednesday night, RSM Takeover next Wednesday, Wednesday night. Can we hear it, RSM? Amen. Now, let me tell you, we went with them over to a church in Tullahoma. We had six. There's some preachers in this bunch, a bunch of preachers. We had six preachers, and I mean, they dropped the hammer. We called it six on six. Six preachers preaching six minutes, and I mean, a place come unglued. We didn't get out of there. It wasn't because of any lengthy preaching. I mean, the altar service kept rolling and rolling and rolling. We prayed for people on and on and on. And I mean, we didn't get home to 7 o'clock. I'm not kidding you. And they're wanting us to come back, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick, we're going to load them up, get them in there. We're going to work all this out. They're going to preach their first revival. Amen. Multi-night revival. But you don't want to miss them next Wednesday night. Well, turn in your Bibles. This is crazy to Jeremiah hint hint you would think that Samuel and Miss Preacher Kimberly Pastor Kimberly conspired and talked ahead of time I haven't even talked to them at all today he opens up with Lamentations which happens to be the book that Jeremiah wrote and that's why we call him the weeping prophet he knew something about lament he knew something about test. He knew something about trial. He knew something about trouble. And in the midst of that lamentation book, the book of Lamentations, he said, great is his faithfulness. How many of you know it to be true? And then Pastor Kimberly gets up and quotes Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the thoughts I have toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil that I might bring to you an expected end. And then Pastor James, I was going to go a completely different direction until 
Pastor James preached the message he preached. If you weren't here on uh, Saturday night, I'm telling you it was a barn-burning message, and it really altered me. I shifted into some kind of zone I hadn't been in in quite some time. Started about 8 o'clock, and I left here about 5 a.m. And it was wild in here about 3 a.m., amen? And uh, then on top of that, pastors Kevin and Devin absolutely begin to say some things that are appropriate for this year. And we got to get ourselves ready. And they talked about prayer. They talked about we need to increase not just quantity necessarily, but quality. And I don't know about you, if that's the direction that we are going in which we are by our pastors have indicated we're going to up the ante, so to speak, in the area of prayer in the church. We're going to pray more this year. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want you to waste your time. So I want to talk to you tonight about the dynamics of answered prayer. The dynamics of answered prayer. Turn with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 32. And I'm going to read about 10 verses just to give you some context. But I want you to laser beam focus on Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. I don't know if Chad, I put together an outline. I don't know if he can put that up there. Jeremiah 33 and 3. We're going to camp out on that passage right there. But i got to give you a little context because it will make more sense to you if I do that. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32 says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord... In the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. They were under siege in this context. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. In other words, his own king put him in prison during a time when a siege was going on. When, when, a, when a city's under siege, it's imprisoned by a foreign army. So it's double jeopardy here for Jeremiah. He was doubly in prison, one might say. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the land of the king of Babylon and he shall take it. In other words, he put him in prison because he was telling him and prophesying this army that's outside our door, they're going to take us. I don't like that kind of prophecy, do you? What about houses and lands and Bentleys and Botox and body augmentations and bling? What about those? That's not what Jeremiah had to say here. Then he speaks directly to this king. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the land of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes, and he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon. He's telling the king, you're getting ready to be carried into captivity and be imprisoned yourself. See, we need more prophets and less politicians. If he was trying to win friends, he wouldn't tell a king, you're getting ready to be carried over into prison yourself. So much for a blue check mark on your Facebook page. You're not going to get one this way. 
but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon and shall speak with him mouth to mouth and eyes shall behold his eyes and he shall lead the, uh, Zedekiah to Babylon and there shall he be until the, he visit him until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, you shall not prosper. Wow. So, so much for prosperity prophesying. Here's a prophet saying you're not going to prosper. That'll get you put in prison. Get you stoned. It'll get eggs thrown at you, tomatoes, whatever the case may be. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came unto me. Skip over to Jeremiah 33 before we start crying in this sanctuary. There's good news. Jeremiah 33. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. Thank God it came to him a second time. While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 33. We're going to camp out here. Call unto me, and I'll answer you, and I'm going to show you great and mighty things you have no knowledge of. Mm, I feel that all the way down into my bones. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men whom I have slain in mine anger and in my fury. And for all whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city, Verse 6, Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Let's pray. Father, help me speak this message the way you're giving it to me. I pray you'll help me articulate truth. Speak it in love. I want to speak truth in love. We know the truth. The truth sets us free. Every test, every trial, every tribulation, every temptation. You said we would go all the way through this and you would go with us always to the ends of the earth. You're a very present help in a time of trouble and the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. We'll not be afraid of the terror by night nor for the arrow that flies by day nor for the pestilence which is walking in darkness nor for the destruction that is wasting away at noonday. We decree a thousand will fall at our sight, 10,000 at our right hand and it will not come nigh our dwelling. Lord, I pray for the hearers that they'll hear and God, I pray you'll help me speak truth and God, once they know this truth, let them let it set us free. God, I pray for power and strength this year as we pray and we seek your face and not just your hand. God, we want to know you, so we're going to seek your face, not just your hand. Your hand is what you provide blessings with. We want to know you. We want to know you by seeking your face tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and believe. Amen. You may be seated. This is a powerful passage of Scripture because I feel like it fits what was said on Saturday night and fits what was said on Sunday morning and fit what was said on Sunday night. 
So in other words, I don't have a sermon. I got a message for us because this year we're going to pray more than we've ever prayed. How many of you are with me already on that? We're going to pray, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my time. I want to understand how to pray. I want to understand how to pray according to the Word of God, according to the will of God, and I don't want my prayers to go, I want my prayers rather to go higher than this ceiling. How many of you are with me? How many of you have ever prayed and you felt like your prayers didn't get above the ceiling? I've been there. I've done that. I wrote home to mama about it and and actually made a t-shirt about it. (laughs) Amen. So I can empathize and I can sympathize. Sometimes you feel like your prayers don't get very high and don't get very far. And sometimes answers get delayed. A delay is not a denial. How many of you know it to be true? We've got to be diligent this year because we will be tested. We will be tried. God says my word, he said I'll hasten my word to perform it. But he also said I'm going to try you you with the word that is spoken over you and we don't like that kind of preaching and it doesn't fit well with some theology but I'm here to tell you God's going to take you through and we're going to do just that we're going through over to the other side here we have in this context this prophet here that prophesied they were about a year away from this Babylonian army actually ending up taking Jerusalem so here's this prophet prophesying about a year later they were able to finally over overtake Jerusalem completely carried everybody away into captivity and if you read your history in the Bible they were in captivity for over 70 years approximately 70 years everybody was carried away into captivity including the prophet himself who never left Babylon now isn't that something you're the one that God's given the prophetic word to yet you get carried away with the rest of them amen and you're saying exactly what God wanted you to say In the midst of him knowing this, in the midst of him prophesying this judgment. See, they had a chance to repent. Jeremiah called them to repentance because Israel had fallen off into idolatry. They'd fallen off into religious pretense. And as a matter of fact, some say they were offering up babies to Molech and they were worshiping other gods. And he said, if we don't turn around, the Babylonians are going to come. Guess what? They didn't turn around. And sure enough, they had a chance to repent. They did not repent. They did not turn, and that's what caused them to be swept away into captivity. But in the spite of the fact that he knew this was getting ready to take place, and as a matter of fact, Jeremiah actually died a false prophet because a lot of what he prophesied, he didn't get to really see, just like Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied one of the greatest prophecies of all time and eternity when he said a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Did you know that prophetic word did not come to pass for over 750 years. See, we're bad when we hear a word. We want it now. We, we, we're, we got the microwave society going. We got microwave church. We want God to do it now. But sometimes God is going to speak a word and you got to be patient. You got to keep talking to God. You got to keep that dialogue going. And you know, we need to pray just to make it today. Amen. There was a secular song. Amen. We need to pray just to make it today. And prayer is not a monologue. It's not where I approach the throne of grace and ask God for a bunch of stuff and say, Roger, over and out. When I was a sinner, I would pray fire insurance prayers, hang out all night in every bar and every discotheque, but I wanted to pray a fire insurance prayer about 3 a.m. or 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'd pray something like this, oh God, I lay me down to sleep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Oh, shh, oh. 
Roger over and out. How many of you know that prayer right there probably didn't get any higher, amen, than the ceiling? It was a fire insurance prayer. We need to be diligent in our prayer. We need effectual fervent prayer, amen, because the Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman will accomplish much. Somebody that believes I'm preaching the truth tonight, give him a shout of praise in this place. First thing I got right here, number one, Jeremiah 33 and 3, focus on this. I'm going to extract four things from this one passage, make it easy on you. First part of this scripture, call unto me. Call unto me. So the first thing I want to tell you, we got to make simple request. How many of you know Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 6? He said, when you pray, he said, don't stand on the street corner and stand and say, I'm getting ready to pray. He said, don't pray to be seen of men. As a matter of fact, while, while I'm at it, he said, don't fast and let people know you're fasting. Amen. In other words, don't pray uh, to be uh, so that you'll impress men. You got to talk to God. He said, but when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door and the Father which sees you pray in secret will reward you openly. How many of you know you can enter into a prayer closet? You can go in there a man and come out a superman. You go into a Pentecostal prayer closet, you'll go in there a woman and you'll come out a wonder woman. How many of you know God will put super in your natural when you enter into a prayer closet and you begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance and you begin to pray in the Spirit. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading Matthew chapter 6, uh, the disciples said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, all right, let me teach you. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I didn't stop there. I went over into Luke chapter 11, verse 9, and it tells me, it said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. If a father has a son and that son asks him for a loaf of bread, would he for that loaf of bread give him a stone? Or if he asked for an egg, would he for an egg give him a serpent? Or if he asked for a fish, would he for a fish give him a scorpion? No. If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly father give the gift of the Holy Ghost to who? Those that would ask. I didn't stop there. I went over in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt, but believe those things they say shall come to pass. You'll have whatsoever thing you say, whatsoever thing you desire. When you pray, believe you receive it. And my Bible says you can have it. That's Matthew. That's Mark. That's Luke. What about John? I'm glad you asked. John 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8. I will that men and women pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. It didn't stop there. I went over into Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Continue in prayer. 
there and watching the same with thanksgiving. I got over in the book of Acts. I'm telling you, that was a praying church in the book of Acts. Acts 6 and verse 4 says they gave themselves what? Continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Can I tell you, Luke 18 verse 1 says men and women ought to pray and not faint. How many of you know the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good and abstain from the very appearance of evil and the very God of peace will sanctify you holy. I pray God your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't stop there. I went over into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, taking you the full armor of God that you can stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. When you pray in the spirit, you put on the full armor of God. Somebody praise him if you plan on putting on the full armor tonight. I'm going to give you some scripture tonight. Maybe you didn't get enough in 2022. Maybe that's why the Lord's got me quoting so many. I'm not a little dab do you preacher, okay? I'm not a brittle cream Christian, and I'm not a brittle cream preacher. Some of you, everybody 40 and over knows what I'm talking about. Everybody 40 and under are clueless in Seattle, amen? <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. It means don't worry about anything. That's in your Bible. God's telling you, don't worry. Be careful means don't be full of cares. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then what? The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise think on these things am I helping anybody in here is this encouraging you for next year to pray I didn't stop there why stop Romans chapter 12 says be patient in tribulation continue instant in hope and continue instant in prayer not making this up how many of you know all through the Bible 
were encouraged to pray. Acts chapter 5, they prayed and set people free, free from prison. Acts chapter 12 is what Pastor James preached on. Peter was in prison, and prayer was made by the church continually. Amen. And and all of a sudden, Peter was set free. How many of you know in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were locked up at midnight, and the Bible said they prayed. As a matter of fact, prior to that, they pr prayer was wont to be made down by the river. What precipitated uh, this this woman uh, Lydia the seller of purple amen uh, what precipitated her salvation was prayer was want to be made down by the river but have you know when you begin to pray the devil shows up and a woman that had the demon spirit of Python showed up and said these are sons of the most high God who show unto us the way of salvation Paul and Silas let her run around announcing who they were you know why they kind of liked that press they were getting they liked that PR director who was following them around. But all of a sudden, Paul finally got the spirit of discernment stirred up in him. And I believe he turned over to Silas and said, that don't smell like God. That don't sound like God. You know what, Silas? That's not God. That's not God. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of a demon. And cast the demon spirit out of this girl. And they were locked up in prison. But they prayed. And I like what it said. They didn't go, oh, we, we don't want to offend nobody, so let's be quiet with our prayers. No, my Bible said they prayed and sang praises. And the prisoners heard them. The murderer heard them. The rapist heard them. The pervert heard them. The sex trafficker heard them pray and sing praises. The church has been silent way too long. It's time for the lambs to stop being silent. I'll become more vile than this, Pastor Tobin. Somebody praise the Lord if you know that that kind of prayer causes earthquakes to take place. They prayed. Then they praised, and then they preached. Set them all free. Philippian jailer sprang in, going to commit suicide. Paul said, uh, don't do yourself any harm. He said, well, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved in your whole household. Am I helping anybody? So you ought to be encouraged to pray by now. But since this is the dynamics of answered prayer, I know some of you are wondering, well, when do prayers not get answered? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I got to quote a few more scriptures. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 13 says, Whosoever stops his ear. I'm going to slow down on these because I don't want to do these next year. Whosoever stops his ear to cry the poor, he'll also cry and not be heard. Must mean how we treat the poor must be significant. I better move on. Knocking the shout out of it real quick. <laughs> the Bible says, anybody care what the Bible says? Proverbs 28, verse 9. Oh, Lord. It says, whosoever ignores the law of God, even his prayer is an abomination. Well, that stings, doesn't it? Ooh, that hurt me. Mm. The Bible says, Psalm 66, verse 18. Here's a biggie. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Unconfessed sin is unforgiven sin. I don't know about you, sin's your enemy, friend. 
And it separates you from God. It puts distance between you and God. And in 2023, we've already been told by Pastor Kevin, Pastor Devin, draw close to him and he'll draw close to you. We make the first step and cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who has not sworn deceitfully nor lifted up his soul unto vanity. It's not that God won't hear you, but the prayer he wants to hear is a prayer of repentance and confession. In other words, get your pipes cleaned out. Get it completely. The old saints, Pastor Rick used to pray this way. God, burn out the dross. Burn out the chaff in me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation so that I can teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. How many more sinners would get converted if the church would get right? Told you I'm not going to shout out of it. Can I quote some James to you? Another reason prayers don't get answered, we don't pray them in faith. James chapter 1 says, If any lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So not asking in faith is another way not to get prayers answered. What else does James chapter 4 say? Oh, James chapter 4 says you have not because you ask not. The, I hate to say this, but I'm an evangelist and I go everywhere under the sun and I pray for people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit all the time. And they'll come up and say, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And they'll, not, they'll come up to the altar and not say a word out of their mouth. <laughs> they won't even praise God while they're down there. And you never hear them really ask. They want you to ask God for them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if God's got a gift for me, I think I'll ask. <laughs> How many of you made a Christmas list out this year for somebody? <laughs> Lift you, and I know you did. Just go ahead and throw your hands up. You're helping people. Amen. My Bible said you're, gonna, you're not going to have it unless you ask. Well, God knows everything. Yes, but whatever, for whatever reason, this God says to ask me for it. I know the Bible says he knows your thoughts are far off even before you think them or thunk them if you're in from the country. Even before you do any of that, he knows your thoughts are far off. Amen. He knows what you're thinking before you think it. But yet he says to ask. Well, I couldn't. We get religious. Oh, I couldn't ask him for anything. Oh, yes, you can. You, I can't tell you the number of people I talk to out here on the street and I'm witnessing to them, trying to lead them to Jesus. He knows what I'm talking about. And you'll say, do you need prayer? No, I don't need anything. What? The God that made the heavens and the earth, the God that hung the sun, the moon, the star, you don't need anything from that God, the God that put breath in your body? I'm telling you right now, you need the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You need to keep knocking. You need to keep asking. We need some intestinal fortitude, and we need to pray without stopping. Mm. Is this too hard? See, these are important scriptures for us. In 2023. Then the Bible says this. Keep reading in James chapter 4. You're fighting war. 
And the Bible says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. In other words, James is saying you're asking God for stuff, but it's your, your, it's, you're asking him for the wrong reasons. It's your flesh. God knows a lot of times if he gives you what you're asking for, it'll kill you. I know people that have asked God. I know a preacher. He said he was spiritualizing his ask. He's, and he was a pastor. He said, God, give me a boat. Give me a, a, like a, a houseboat so I can take the youth out for events on the lake. They lived, the church was close to a lake. He ended up getting this houseboat. And make a long story short, he didn't take the first youth out on that houseboat. Matter of fact, he ended up backsliding. He got the houseboat all right. And I'm not so sure he got it from God. I'm pretty sure he didn't get it from God. Amen. God knows a lot of times if he gives you stuff, your stuff will kill you. Sometimes if you get a bigger house, how many of you know you get a bigger house, you got a bigger power bill? You get a bigger, bigger car, you got bigger expenses. I mean, how many you know some cars, it takes $2,000 just to change the tires on the car? Yeah, you want it, but you're not thinking about the oil changes. And you're not thinking, you know, a BMW means bring money with you because you're going to need it. I love a BMW. I, li- I mean, they hug the road. I mean, you can just bleep. I mean, you can turn up the speed, go down through there, bring money with you, though. When you go to re- get that thing repaired, you better bring a whole lot of money with you. You better be a prosperity believer because you're going to need a dump truck to back up and dump that cash out, amen, before they'll even lift a wrench on that thing. I'm speaking from experience. I have nothing against sports cars. I used to own a Porsche, and God told me to get rid of it because the reason being, I got born again early on and had a Porsche, and I kept getting in road rage incidents with people driving Mustangs with the big boss engines in them. They'd pull up. I'm getting ready to show you. I got six gears in this thing, and when I go into overdrive, you're going to see the hinder parts of me. Amen? And I'd put them in. I put, and God said, man, you're eat up with arrogance and pride. Get rid of it. You know why? The thing was killing me. The thing was causing me to think things, causing me to do things. Amen? Well, they're totally out of character with the character of Christ. I didn't need that Porsche. My wife still laughs about that one. It's about the time she and I got married. She said, well, by the time I married you, you got rid of your Porsche. <laughs> Some of you don't like this. Ooh, Lord. But uh, listen, <laughs> that was a hard word. We got Saturday and Sunday morning and Sunday night. This is a message from God right here. It's not a sermon from Gary Keelan. This is a message straight. And I know I'm not the best preacher and the, the best articulator of this, but I'm just praying I get it across to you so that you can benefit. That's my, that's my whole motive is for you to benefit from this this year. Am I helping anybody? Since Pastor Rick's doing this marriage seminar, I got one for you. <laughs> The Lord illuminates this up to me uh, from time to time. And it's found in 1 Peter. And it says, give honor to your wife so that your prayers be not hindered. How I treat my spouse is important. (laughs) They're grinning. (laughs) This is a good one, isn't it, sister? How I treat my wife is important for me to get my prayers answered. See, I have to get up. I'm married. I'm happily married, by the way. <laughs> but it's a trip sometimes. 
Me and Jen have some intense moments of fellowship. We never used the D word, divorce, but we've used murder several times. Amen. I got to be real and authentic with you. I've went to a pulpit one time, and me and her had an intense moment of fellowship. I was off preaching. I was probably about six hours away, and me and her had got on the phone. If the devil, Pastor Rick knows this, if the devil's going to do anything, going to do it right before you preach, try to hinder you. Me and her had an intense moment of fellowship. I'm up on a platform. It's one of those platform churches where all the preachers get up on the platform to stare at you. So I'm already up on the platform. And, buddy, the Holy Ghost started speaking to me. He said, before you speak to these people, that message I've given you, you need to leave the stage and go call your wife and apologize. I turned to the pastor. I said, I'll be right back. I had to, I was back here in the green room. Honey, I apologize. I'll vacuum when I get home. I wash dishes. She said, oh, forget about it. I done forgot about it. I said, well, if I'd have known that, you may know what we were talking about. I could have avoided the embarrassment. I'm back here in the green room. I'm the preacher. But I'm telling you, after I did that, you're talking about preaching. I, spun, I was preaching like a wild Comanche Indian. I spun myself. I was like a whirling dervish. Some of you don't know what that is. I mean, I was like, the, I wasn't a Tasmanian devil. I was a Tasmanian Christian, amen? I mean, I was preaching in circles, up and down, sweat, spit. I mean, we had it all. And when the altar service started, the thing blew up. I'm telling you what, it's because the pipes got cleaned out. Wasn't nothing hindering, amen? So, so if we're to honor our wives, sure to goodness we're to honor each other. See, I got to submit to you and you submit to me. Mutual submit, su submission is the key to unity. Mutual submission is the key to unity. I'm as in submission to Pastor Rick as he is in, in me. And if he and I do that, he and I are going to get along just fine. And I happen to love my brother. Amen. Got such respect and honor for him. But that's just an indication. The, the reason a lot of churches have disunity is there's no honor. And then on top of that, everybody, you got your big eyes and your little me's. How many of you know the unholy trinity will get you in trouble every time? Me, myself, and I. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if we would humble ourselves toward each other and be in mutual submission, we won't have a problem with unity. Somebody say amen. Let me hurry. I got to get to this. You make a simple request, God promises, number two, a sure reply. So we went through a bunch of scriptures on how prayers don't get answered. But I'm getting ready to tell you how to get your prayers answered 100% of the time. Anybody ready for that one? Oh, Lord, help me preach this, Lord. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire to him. Did I, can I tell you the word of God is the will of God? So when I pray the word of God, I pray the will of God. And my Bible said, God said, remind me of my covenant and I'm going to show it and back it up. Can, can I tell you the Bible said in Joshua 1 verse 12, I'll hasten my word to perform it. He's not going to perform what you thought he said. He's going to perform what he said. Amen. And he lied 
like you to remind him, not because he forgot, it's because we forgot. So when I approach God, I, I, I lift up his word toward him, and I say, God, you said. Brother Gary, you're on a limb right now. Well, I'm going to back it up, amen, before you cut me off the limb. The Bible said in John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, and it will be done. I'm not making any of this up. The word, you got to pray prayers according to the will of God. And the word of God, 100% of the time, is the will of God. If you align your prayers up with what the thus says the Lord, right out of this book, amen, you can approach the throne of grace boldly. You don't have a high priest that's not been touched with the feeling of your infirmities, but he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We can obtain mercy. We can find grace to help in a time of trouble and in a time of need. My Lord, I'm going to take you through this and I'm going to encourage you. Number two on that is when you pray in the Holy Ghost, that scares people when you say, Holy Ghost. Scares the devil out of people and rattles chains of bondage. I tell people all the time, I'd rather hang out with a spook in me than the one that's trying to channel into you in California by some spiritual medium. I'm telling you, I got a Holy Ghost. Get on the inside of you. Jesus said, this spirit that is with you shall be in you. Everybody that is in tonight, give him a shout of praise if you know the Holy Ghost is in you. Now watch this. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, what is it then? I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing in the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. Drawing a contrast, praying in the Spirit, and pray with the understanding. What is the difference? When I pray with the understanding, I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray your divine presence would enter this room. Everybody will respond, be doers of your word, not just hearers only. That is a prayer in my native language that I'm praying. That's praying with the understanding. I understand it, and you understand it. So if that's praying with the understanding, what's praying in the Spirit? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> That's praying with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Why do I need to pray in tongues? I'm glad you asked because Romans chapter 8 verse 26 answers that question for you. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit also helpeth your infirmities for you don't know how to pray as you ought to pray, but the Holy Ghost will pray through you with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the heart knoweth what the mind of the Spirit is because he, the Holy Ghost, maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Remember, we said we got to pray according to the will of God and the Word of God's the will of God. And when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying according to the will of God. That's why Pastor Devin and Kevin, if you heard them there Sunday morning and Sunday night, They'll say, pray in the Spirit. They're asking you to pray a prayer according to the will of God because they want you to get your prayers answered. Because we run out of stuff to pray in English. Whew. 
How many of you know Jude 1 and 20 says, but you, beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, it's like going to your spiritual gym. You exercise yourself unto godliness. You go in a, you go in a weakling and come out a Superman or, or a Wonder Woman. I'm telling you, it builds you up. It's how you get your training. It's how you, it's like going to the gym in the physical realm. Hey Amen. You build yourself up and you come out ready to take on the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're ready to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You're ready to cast out a devil or two or three of them if, it, if a need arises. I'm telling you right now, God wants to work in some of you to will and do of his good pleasure. Amen. And when you pray and don't know how to pray, God's giving you a way to pray and it'll be a way that is according to his will and the devil can't handle it. While I'm at it, the devil cannot read your mind. And when you pray in the spirit, it brings confusion to him. It baffles him. He doesn't understand it because it comes from the throne room of God. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you, and it'll be a prayer according to the will of God, and that prayer will be answered. Let me move on. That's the importance of praying in the Spirit. Let me give you a concrete example because this verse right here, there's four parts to this. You make a simple request. God promises a sure reply. The third part of this is supernatural revelations. Turn to your person on the left and right and say supernatural revelations. There was a lady, true story. She was an intercessor. She was also the person in the church that got the sanctuary in order on Monday morning when church had been had on Sunday morning and Sunday night. She's the one that would run the vacuum cleaner and put the tithe envelopes up and get the trash out from under the seat and get the water bottles out from under the seat. She would do it at Faithful every Monday morning. And she used that as her prayer time. And she would walk in the altar after she cleaned the church. It was her custom. And she would pray. She'd pray, you know, for everybody in the church. She'd put her hands on all the seats, walk around, anoint with oil. She'd do, every, she'd do that every Monday. And usually she would end and say, God, if you're through with me, I'll go on home. One morning she had prayed for a solid hour. She said, God, if you're through with me, I'll go on home. She actually started out the sanctuary. God says, I'm not through with you. And the minute the Spirit of God spoke to her and said, I'm not through with you, she said all of a sudden she felt the hair on the back of her head stand up. She started praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, it was just her and God in the sanctuary. She come right back in the altar, started spinning, shouting, praying in the Holy Ghost, having herself a benefit. A fit, a benefit, forget it. Right down in the altar. She said, I could, I was almost, she said, I was just praying in tongues, praying in tongues. It was rolling out of me. And she said, all of a sudden, it was like God gave me an open vision. And she said, as he gave her that open vision, here's what she saw. She saw an Asian man down on his knees cleaning a concrete floor like this. That was the vision. Holy Ghost said, pray for that man. She started praying in tongues again. Holy Ghost said, tell him to get up. She stood up on her feet in, on Monday morning down at, at her church in the sanctuary and started screaming, get up, get up, get up and go out, get up and go out, get up and go out. She said the minute she said that, she got released to go on home. 
Holy Spirit said, I'm through with you. She said, praise the Lord. Left, went and ate lunch, went about her business. Six months later, a missionary from China came to her church. Now, you got to understand about this woman. She kept a prayer journal. She would document her prayer request. Then she'd document when those prayers got answered. And she'd document time. She would time stamp them. Time and date stamp all of her requests. And then when they got answered, she'd put a check mark by it. And that thing was about that thick. Well, that Sunday morning, about six months later, this missionary came that was preaching in the Sunday morning service and stood up and started testifying, said, we've had many pastors locked up in prison. He said, but I want to tell you about one tremendous thing that happened. He said, one of our pastors was in a prison and said he was down on his knees cleaning the floors and said the man heard an audible voice say, get up. Get up and get out. He got up, stood up, and looked at a door that was always locked and saw that the door was just literally open by about an inch. So he walks over, opens the door, goes into the next part of the prison that was always locked up, looked again at the next door, heard the voice say, I told you to get up. And I told you to get out. Heard another audible voice. And he heard it coming from behind the door. So, you know, his curiosity got the best of him. So he goes over to the door and he opens the door. There's no guards. Nobody's around. Now he's at the second level. There's only one more door. It was a gate to the outside. He's looking at that gate. And he looks to the right, and the guards have their back turned to him with the, with the AK-47s. Looking the other way. Looks at the other tower down on the other end. The other guards have their back turned toward him with their AK-47s. He looks outside the gate, and there's a taxi sitting there. And the man says, come on. Come on over here. <laughs> he walks to the outside gate. Just grabs hold of it thinking it's not going to be unlocked. Can I tell you, my friend, that door was unlocked. He stepped out of that prison, got in the taxi, drove away to freedom. And did you know the woman went up to the missionary after he preached and said, when was that? The missionary told her. She looked in her prayer journal and found out it was the exact date and the exact time that the Holy Ghost worked. And I'm telling you this year, you mark my word, you're going to my God, I'm going to run. Oh, I'm prophesying to this church. You're going to move mountains. You're going to shift nations. You're going to turn Washington. I can't even preach right now. Man, I'm being tore up from the floor up right now. I'm being... My chest is about to explode. I wish you could feel a little bit of what I'm feeling a whole lot of. You make a simple request. God promises a sure reply, revealing supernatural revelations. And my fourth and final one is surprising results. How many of you like surprises? 
Some of you don't like surprises. But it's already been prophesied. It's too late. You're going to have so many surprises next year. I'm telling you, some of you are going to go to your mailbox and you're going to receive checks in the mail that you weren't counting on. Hey, some of you are going to get promotions that you didn't deserve. Some of you are going to get new cars delivered to your front door. I'm telling you right now, my Bible said God is going to restore your health. Some of you have been sick for 2020, 2021. 2022, but 2023, I will restore health unto you and I'll heal you and I'll cure you. Anybody willing to receive that today? I'm telling you, you might be locked up in prison, but this is the year of Jubilee. Somebody praise the Lord if you know it's the year of Jubilee. Stand on your feet in this place. For those of you that outline, it's real simple. You make a simple request. God promises a sure reply. Supernatural revelations coming your way. Surprising results. You know why? Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all you could even ask or think. I'm going to ask you to come up here and ask God for some stuff. Some of you are going to come up here and you're going to formulate a thought in your mind. God, if you just do this. And I could interview you and ask you what it is you're asking God for. It could be stupendous. It could be tremendous. It could be an awesome request. It could be a grandiose request. But you know what God's saying? You can't formulate or even ask me. You can't even concoct. You can't put together a prayer that will exceed what I'm really going to give you. That's what exceedingly and abundantly and above all you could ask for or think about. Now you know good and well that everybody in Israel in this time of Jeremiah, you know good and well everybody wasn't eat up with idolatry and worshiping Valak and Bolak and Dumbo and Moron, Moroni and whoever. You know, there were some godly people in the bunch. One of them was Jeremiah. And you know good and well, they were asking God, God, please assuage the Babylonians and don't let them take us over. You know good and well that prayer was prayed. God had an overarching plan. And they ended up getting captured and carried away. And you know good and well that people were praying all kind of prayers. I would be during this time. And it might appear that they didn't get answered. But if you keep reading, and we don't have time to do it, but you read that for Jeremiah 33 and you find out, oh my goodness, you talking about the abundance of blessings. Jeremiah 33 is about the restoration. It's about the health that came their way. And it was about abundance. 
because Jeremiah 33 and verse 6, Behold, I will bring it health and a cure, and I will cure them, and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and of truth. I want to pray for somebody or many of you, maybe more than one, maybe several, that has a prayer request, and you keep praying, and you keep knocking, but you haven't got the answer yet. And it's been a while. I want to pray for you tonight. My Bible says you'll reap if you faint not. And those that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, are going to doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. You prayed prayers in 2022. You prayed prayers in 2021. You prayed prayers in 2020. And we know what happened in 2020. The whole world went into chaos. You're going to need some strength and some stamina. Because one thing you and I are not exempt from is testing, trial, tribulation, and temptation. It's going to come your way. This is not doomsday preaching. Why would God tell you to pray, lead me not into temptation? Why would he say count it all joy when you fall into various temptations? What? That's in my Bible? Yes. James chapter 1 says you ought to do this. Woo! Glory to God. Thank God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. When should I do that? When you're falling into temptations. That's what James says. I've yet to have that happen where somebody come up and said, Boy, I'm being tempted. And then go into a swirling dervish. I hadn't had that happen yet. But I believe it's going to happen tonight. Some of you being tested and tried and tempted. You need to give God some radical, rambunctious, radical praise. You need to give God some redeemed praise. You need to premeditate the praise. They sang it in the first song. Some of you need to thank God ahead of time before your answer. Amen. So I'm praying. I'm I'm asking you. If if you've asked God for something and you hadn't got the answer yet. You've got an invitation tonight to go ahead and thank him. Maybe that's what uh, that's going to unlock it for you. And when you praise him and you give him premeditated praise, uh, I'm telling you, supernatural things are going to happen and the results are going to shock and surprise you in the name of Jesus. Sister Rachel, I wouldn't dare embarrass you, but I want you to come up here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hannah, I want you and your fiance. Come on up. I've helped Hannah pray for some number of years. And you know what? She didn't give up. She didn't let up. She didn't shut up. She stayed the course. She kept her conversation up with God. And she stands here with an engagement ring on her finger. Who am I talking to out here? You need someone. You're praying for that someone. And the someone hadn't showed up yet. But I'm here to tell you, it's not an accident. We got a marriage ceremony. Uh, a marriage uh, uh, 
seminar coming up here. I'm telling you, God wants to pray for single people. Amen. I've been asking God. I'm telling you, maybe the reason you hadn't been sent that person is your circle of friends are the wrong circle. You're hanging out with the wrong bunch. So if that's you, I want you to come on up here. Anybody. This is your opportunity to respond tonight. If you've been asking God for anything whatsoever and it feels like your prayer is delayed, you feel like it, 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 you, it should have been answered by now. See, and you're getting discouraged. This is to infuse you. Hey Amen. And some of you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, come on up here. The Holy Ghost is going to pray through you tonight. If you are not ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost and if you've never spoken tongues, tonight is your night on a Wednesday night. Well, Brother Gary, oh, we got to wait on a certain uh, conference. No, we're on a Wednesday night. God will supersaturate you and enable you to pray a prayer when you don't even know how to pray. Who am I talking to? You need to fill this altar tonight. We're going to pray for you, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to build somebody's faith up. I know, I know what I'm preaching to be true here. My mother-in-law, you may not know this, that's Pastor Devin and my wife Jennifer's mother had a horrible car accident. Turned upside down in a tree, and I was the first one on the scene. She was helping us move into our first house. We'd just been married, and Pastor Kevin and Devin were on their honeymoon. In Athens, Tennessee, going to Riceville, a guy hits her, knocks her off the road. She goes up into a tree, flips end over end in an SUV, ends up upside down. And I'm the first one on the scene. And I don't want to horrify you, but what I saw was horrible. She couldn't make any noise. She was just groaning. That's all she could do. And I absolutely... You know, we're, we're big Pentecostal peacocks. We'd like to believe we're going to run up, pray that right prayer at the right time and, and all this. But can I tell you, I was stumped. I couldn't even pray. Couldn't utter a sound. Because I looked at her and I was like, how do I pray about this? And me, the first person on the scene. All of a sudden, people started pulling off the interstate. Next thing I know, here comes the, the, the uh, rescue squad in Athens. And I just did the funeral of the chief of the rescue squad this week in Athens, Tennessee. That man I did the funeral for this week, he was standing on top of the car because he was a first responder and he had the jaws of life and he was trying to extract her. She was pinned in that wreck. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him because this man had a lot of experience. He could walk up on a wreck and, two head, two, and could tell who was going to make it and who wasn't going to make it just from sheer experience. And I'm looking at him for some kind of confirmation. He's shaking his head, basically telling me, she's not going to make it, just prepare yourself. I look around and there's a circle of people 11 of them and they, they wave me over I'm clueless I don't know who these people are they're complete strangers several of them were from out of state when Harold looked at me that last time and said she ain't gonna make it the helicopter had landed on the interstate that blocked the traffic off and them people's telling me come over there 
when I stepped into that circle, I'm not kidding you, and grabbed her hands, I felt the Holy Ghost come on me. We took into praying, and honey, it wasn't no little seeker-sensitive praying that went on. Can I tell you, all 12 of the people, never seen them a day after this, all 12 were filled with the Holy Ghost. We were praying in tongues out loud. Harold was standing up there with those jaws of life. And I would look at him and he'd shake his head. And I'd go back to praying in the Holy Ghost. I'd look at him, he'd shake his head. I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. I'd look at him, he'd shake his head. And I'd pray in the Holy Ghost along with 11 other people. Can I tell you, my mother-in-law is in her 70s today. Hallelujah, glory to God. And can I tell you, they did a special on the 700 Club, Pat Robertson and my friend who was the EMT that was working that wreck was on this Pat Robertson show and my mother-in-law was on it. My son Seth, who was two years old, was on it. They interviewed me and Pat Robertson said, what was the key? And he said, was it because you were praying with glossolalia? That's the technical term for being baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's the Greek word for praying in tongues. They called it glossolalia. I said, you talking about talking in tongues? He said, well, yeah, that's what I mean. I said, yeah, 12 of us praying in the Holy Ghost to turn the tide. That's what I'm talking about. I want them to play it. If you've got children, it's time for you to go get your children. Amen. But if you can get back in here, it's 8.30. You can go get your ch children. And if you need to come back in here for prayer, for anything, feel free to do it. But please go get the, the kids. We're going to pray for people right here. And I want the RSM students, I mean, feel free to help me out right here. You guys have been... You've got a double dose today, I heard. Amen. If you got a double dose, let's walk in, uh, let's walk in the Spirit. Let's pray in the Spirit. Amen. Go ahead and play it. We're going to pray for some people. The prayer team, you come and help us. We're going we're gonna to intercede for you. We're going to talk to God on your behalf tonight. <laughs> 